Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta. Uh, today I have with me Diane Vavra. She is the former Senior VP of Press and Celebrity Relations for Dior Beauty. Diane also runs her own firm now and takes on clients that she really believes in, in the beauty industry and the skincare industry. So without further ado, welcome, Diane. I'm so excited you're here with us today. Can you start us off and just tell us everything about your career and um, what got you started in the beauty industry and how did it kind of take off for you? I um I was thinking about this today because I had to write up a little blurb for something and I was trying to like go back in time to see when I first really got involved in beauty and I was looking through some pictures and I think I have to say um probably around age five <laughs> yeah <laughs> realized you know when you uh when you know all little girls first grab their mom's lipstick and make a mess and get in trouble for getting it all over the place um yes. <laughs> but I knew from an early age I um I grew up in Manhattan and in an apartment building and our next door neighbor was a fashion and beauty writer and oh, wow. I would always see like all these garment bags and packages and you know of with beauty products like flowing out the top like arriving at her door and I just thought it was so glamorous so I, I kind of always knew I wanted to do that and as soon as I was old enough as soon as as soon as I was old enough to um maneuver around the city myself not really old enough to work um (laughs) like 12 she um she hired me as an intern for her um at a magazine like really really young and I really I really really liked it but from that I had a lot of different experiences with, you know, meeting people in fashion, meeting people in beauty, seeing how the editorial end of it worked. But I really liked working with the brands directly. And so I knew um, that I wanted to, you know, do something and go to school for, um, for communications. I went to all girls Catholic high school. So I wore a uniform and wait to rebel. And so I went to FIT. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow because <laughs> there there you really got to just kind of you know display your whole you know whatever wear whatever you wanted whenever you wanted it didn't matter no one no one judged <laughs> yeah, creative freedom creative freedom yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um I I love that you got started at such a early age into the beauty industry because I I feel like that probably molded a lot of um how you approached it as your career path yeah, it definitely did. Um, I When I got out of school, I decided to first send my resume to different agencies because mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure if I wanted beauty, if I wanted fashion, um, you know, what I where I wanted to end up in-house. Ultimately, I knew that was my goal, to be in-house somewhere. Right. And so... I started out in the agency and it was before agencies kind of had things um, segregated according to like health and wellness or beauty. So I got to work on a lot of different accounts like wild Turkey liquor and all in the pond airways and, oh, and wow. on and, and Liz Claiborne. So I got to know like all of the editors in each category, you know, food and wine and travel and, and yeah. lifestyle and fashion. And I really liked the beauty editors I think the best out of everyone I worked with. So when I, when I knew it was time to go in house after about three years at the agency, Mm -hmm. I approached Estee Lauder first. um, And luckily I got hired right away. Wow. 
That's so exciting. Um, how was you just like randomly decided I'm gonna apply and Estee Lauder is the only one, or how did you did you yeah. know somebody? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't know anybody, but the thing was, um I I don't know. I just for some reason for my prom, I'm talking back in the eighties, um mm. my girlfriends and I went to Bloomingdale's, I think, and we went to the Estee Lauder counter and it was the first real, you know, grown up makeup that I spent yeah. a lot of money on. And so I just had this thing in my head that that's where I wanted to work. And um, I really think that sometimes you can manifest things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So lucky for me that that did work out. And I worked um, on the Lauder brand for about three, three or so years. And um at that time, supermodels were big. So we worked, we had uh, Paulina Porzakova as uh, one of the spokeswomen. And that was kind of the first time also that I was able to work with at the time. Um, I'm going to call them celebrities, but, you know, at the time they were supermodels, but um, mm. it was just to, you know, plan events with them and see how, you know, kind of navigate that world. Mm. And and then I had a brief stint as a, I came, I got married during that time and moved to Long Island mm-hmm. and I hated the commute. I just couldn't take it anymore. So <laughs> I see like what, what might be available um, on the Island in fashion or beauty. And, you know, evidently the only real job is to work in a mall. So I became <laughs> of a shopping mall and, yeah. um, and that was, it was fun. It was good, you know, except I, I stayed there for about two years. And then I, the day it was my job really to hire Santa, yeah. um, a real beard. That's so cool. <laughs> I mean, like you interview Santas, it's crazy. Um, I mean, there's guys who actually like live for this. This is all they do. And they work for that one month and make, you know, bank all their money and, you know, they live, I don't know. Wow. In, somewhere and that's what they use all year and it's kind of amazing but You're giving um, me ideas for next year's christmas special <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> <interview some> but <laughs> that's pretty cool well, it was cool it didn't end so well because this one santa he had a real beard you know you want the best santa and um right he would go to tgi fridays every night and have jalapeno poppers and get orange sauce all over his beard so every morning i would have to send him to the hair salon in the mall to get the beard dot beard dyed and it was a disaster. So one day he supposedly, we, he was on the Santa set with a line of kids and he, ha- he claimed he was having a heart attack. And so the ambulance came and they took Santa out on a stretcher and the kids were crying. And that was, is so traumatizing. <laughs> so traumatizing. Like the news, media, you know, like local news is like there asking me, so Ms. Vara, will there be a Christmas? And the kids are crying. Like it was oh that, that night, I just went home. I poured myself a big glass of wine, probably drank the whole bottle and just said. Right. <laughs> I was just going to say, poured yourself a bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't for me, you know? And then, of course, I, you know, started my mental list of what brands I loved and how I was going to get back into the city again and take on this commute, a beast of a commute. And right. um, I sent a, a cover letter to Dior um, and the, my cover letter simply said, yes, I live on Long Island. Yes, I work on Long Island. Please save me. <laughs> and, 
SOS. So you said I, I, SOS. Was it was definitely an SOS. That's a good way to look at it. It's so funny. And the HR woman lived on Long Island too, and so she called me and said, "Honey, um, we don't have any jobs available, but I just want to meet you because this is the craziest cover letter that I've ever received. So I, can you come in?" Wow. I went in and although there were no positions at that time, like maybe about three months later, she called me and said, we have something for you. And um, I started there as the manager of PR. And um, at the time it was a team of two, it was myself and an assistant. Hmm. And um, I just basically worked my way up. And wow. uh, yeah, I started in 98 and it was the same year as um, that Galliano started. And so there were lots of changes for the brand and lots of excitement and you know it kind of be it kind of went during the time that I was there from your grandmother's brand like everyone was saying to me like why would you go to Dior it's such an happy old brand and oh my god Dior Dior Beauty is honestly my favorite beauty line I'm not even yeah like when I got into makeup I was like I used to go to like um, well, not when I got into makeup, but like, you know, later on, I used to go to Sephora and just go straight to Dior. Like that's uh, immediately where I go even today. I, yeah, it's really, it's such a great brand and it's got such a rich heritage and, um, you know, they do things, they do things really well and they do things the right way. So right. it was great. I was there for almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you really shaped the brand, the beauty, the beauty end of it then that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely quite an experience. And, you know, when we start, when I started at Dior, I'm trying to think, um, maybe it was still like around the time of, of models. And then, and then it, we kind of started hiring celebrity spokespeople. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Cause then I got to, you know, travel around the world with them. That was really a fun experience and things that I never would have done had I been in a different type of career. Right. Had you um, stuck to Santa's? <laughs> yeah. Right? Imagine, you know, God you're, you're still doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, <laughs> that would have been nuts. <laughs> that's crazy. I love that. I love, I feel like you've had such a, such an interesting ride in your career. I mean, that's, that's really, really cool that you have this, you know, foundation that you built everything on. I think that's very unique these days to find that. Yeah, it is. I think. Um, and I was, I was really fortunate in working for great people. Um, I had great bosses wherever I was, and I really learned so much from them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had a couple that taught me how I don't want to be <laughs> as a right. boss. <laughs> right. Um, but for the most part, they really kind of, you know, gave me quite an education. So I was very, very fortunate. That's amazing. I really love that. And, you know, I, I it's interesting that you, cho- uh, you chose beauty. Um, I love that you mentioned that there, you know, you love the editors the most because, you know, I feel like ever since I started this podcast, every beauty editor I've reached out to, I mean, anyone in the beauty industry, everyone has been so kind, you know, and I love seeing that. Yeah. I mean, and for me, like what was so great and what still is so great about that career and meeting the, all these girls or that when I started out as an assistant at Lauder, they were all starting out as assistants at the different magazines. And then we kind of all grew up together. And, you know, I was at their weddings, they were at my wedding, they were, you know, I, 
shower. They, you know, I mean, it, we kind of really grew up together and it's really interesting to see, you know, I mean, we have pictures of, you know, some press trips that we took together, you know, back in the, back in the nineties. And then we get together for lunch every once in a while, well, pre COVID and, um, and we would take, you know, we would like recreate those, those pictures. <laughs> right. Right. Really That's funny. Really cool. Yeah. So we're, I so love we're tight. It's a really tight industry. I have to say. I mean, that's a good thing, though. I feel like in in terms of networking, and I'm sure you know much more about this than I do. Like, I, I you know, f- being in the millennial generation, um, oftentimes we have this idealism of, you know, networking with other women and, you know, kind of growing your careers together. But I feel like our generation has lost a lot of that same, you know, like the same like motivation you guys had. Like, it's, it's like I, you want to connect, but then there's always something, you know, in the way or, you know, it's not as what it like my mom tells me stories as well you know she's like I have these amazing girlfriends and we all grew together in our career and um you know I I look back and I'm like wow I mean that was a totally different mindset yeah I mean it it really mindset I think now um well especially now the way the magazine world is changing and you know or has changed and how everything's digital and you know people are you know there's so many more freelance writers now than there are than there are um writers that are um in-house yeah and so um it's a it's a little bit different I think now for um you know for younger girls coming into it um because you don't have your you know your usual Vogue contact you know there's you know there's a contact there but there's maybe also like 20 freelancers that are doing stories for Vogue too so right right it's it's different but it's it's still fun I mean I love it I obviously like I've been doing it forever, but when I left Dior, um, it was a really hard decision for me because obviously everyone recognizes the brand name and the editors just, you know, want to have it on their page and in their, as part of their stories and bloggers, you know, want to be a part of it and everyone wants a piece of Dior. And so, I was always approached by smaller brands asking me for advice and I wanted to help them. And I, I kind of knew what they needed, but I had a non-compete, so I couldn't really help them in the way that I that you would have wanted to. No. So I made the decision finally to, um, you know, I said, you know what, I'm getting older. I'm hopefully still relevant in the <laughs> industry. Let me make this move while I can. And, um, And so, yeah, I left and opened up my agency and the power of LinkedIn. Wow. Like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, everything's digital now. So I'm sure it's a huge difference from, you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I never really paid much attention to LinkedIn. I was like, who who even goes on LinkedIn? I have no idea. But when I left, I posted that I was starting my own, my own gig. And the next morning I woke up and I had five brands reach out to me. Oh, wow three of them because I wasn't sure how many accounts I could handle at once um it was just me at the time and one of the girls um who I worked with at Dior for 17 years she came she came with me and um so I had I had three accounts that that one you know that same week so that was really cool that's amazing did you know I have a question um before you continue like did you bring in the the approach you had with Dior Beauty into your own um the the brands you were representing yeah I mean 
you know, one of the things that I always found and one of the things that I loved so much about Dior, even more so than working, you know, side by side with the celebrities that they that they had. I mean, we had great spokespeople. So Charlize Theron and Jennifer Lawrence and Sharon Stone and Bella Hadid and Johnny Depp and Natalie Portman. Right. And so I spend time with all these great celebrities. But for me, the ultimate thrill was really being close to and working alongside their makeup artists because I got to see like these amazing transformations and, you know, I'd always be peeking in their, in their bags to see, you know, what products they were using and wherever we were in the world, like we would always carve out some time to like run to the pharmacy and, you know, just grab some products that were, you know, weren't known to us here in the U S just to try and test. And then whenever someone would be going back, we'd, you know, we'd have a list of things for them to get for us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the best part of traveling sometimes. (laughs) But I loved working with the makeup artists and that's something that I still do adore. And I've become very, very close friends with many of them and stayed stayed in contact and you know I think that yeah it's great to have a celebrity it's it's great to have um an influencer that's that's cool but I think that makeup artists are really the ones that set the trends and the tone yeah and I always even at the very very beginning of my career when no one was paying attention there were no celebrity makeup artists they were just you know makeup artists um Right. We, we were the first brand to actually hire an in-house celebrity makeup artist. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then other brands started following it and it was, it was really cool, but makeup artists, I think are, are super, super important as influencers, as celebrities themselves, and really um, as tastemakers, I think. Right. And then, you know, I'm I, always curious about makeup artists and their perspective perspective of skincare because you know every I think every good makeup look begins with good skin right so like how did you like did you have to have these conversations with them or did they like you know introduce you to skincare products not just like beauty and makeup yeah no they introduced me I became obsessed with skincare because that's really what makes makes the whole look. I mean, you can just, you know, having glowing radiating skin is just so beautiful and they know how to make it happen. And that's what I mean when I, when I talk about like the transformation that I've seen, you know, in some of these girls that have like really bad skin or rosacea or anything like that, like by the end of this, by the end of, you know, their hair and makeup, you cannot tell at all. It is wow. a- I mean, and so I became obsessed with, um, with skincare and even, you know, like just finding a skincare that works well with your foundation so that it's not pilling when you put it on. I hate when that happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just getting all these tips and tri- tricks from the artists. Um, I, I never really had the desire to become a makeup artist myself, but I'm always fascinated by, by what they can do. You know, one mm-hmm. of my favorite who I just love to watch all the time on Instagram is Joe Baker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, she does such really like unique, amazing looks. Um, and it's almost like, it's like throwback things, but with a modern twist. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. She's just such a 
cool makeup artist, J.O. Baker, B-A-K-E. Oh, I'm going to check her out. I haven't, I haven't seen her work yet. Yeah, she's great. Um, but, I mean, there's just so many of them. I love, and, and I love that. You know, I think that we, in any professional field, like, there's always room for growth and being able to learn from, you know, like, I know in the beauty industry, there's just so many um, career paths at this point, right? So, like, having that, like, combined perspective, I'm sure, is extremely unique for um, your work. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's important. There's so, like you said, there's so many opportunities. I mean, agents, makeup artist agencies have a PR person. Yeah. So you get a PR person for the makeup artists. Like I always thought, huh, that could be interesting. <laughs> you right. know? Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm curious from the PR standpoint now because I I think a lot of people, um, you know, and I'm included in this mix, you know, it's, it's easy to blame marketing or it's easy to blame PR for, well, why are these big claims on this bottle of, you know, whatever product it is, but, right. you know, I want, I really want to get your perspective about that conversation because, you know, clearly you're not going to represent a brand you don't believe in. Right. So it's right. like, it's so to say something from a consumer standpoint, like, well, it's just PR or it's just marketing. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of brands that have these crazy claims and um, I work with brands that do, uh, that have really good R and D and that do clinical studies on their products. So if a, if a brand approaches me and they don't have, well, if it's skincare, we're just talking specifically about skincare. Um, if the brand approaches me and they don't have clinicals, I won't work with them. It's uh, yeah, because yeah. it's a, it does cost money for clinicals, um, but it's so 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 important because you know if people are having a reaction to something or if it hasn't been tested in certain circumstances, like you know in extreme heat or in extreme cold or. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes like I'll have a product and I'll keep it in my shower, like an exfoliating wash or something. And maybe like after a couple of weeks, when I open the cap, there's just like something on it that doesn't look right. Like maybe something, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but absolutely. No, it does. It's a big problem. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if, if they haven't been stability tested, that's like a big thing. And so I think that consumers really need to pay more attention before they purchase a skincare product and look on the website and just make sure, you know, what testing has been done. Right. Um, you know, if a brand is EU certified, that means um, certified in Europe, it's yeah. m- most likely they have such rigorous testing that you can trust it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, US doesn't have as, as many restrictions. So, that's how that's why brands can get away with so much like just look at what happened with covid um overnight how many brands came out with hand sanitizers i know it's crazy right? yeah yeah like are you kidding like there was no testing obviously no you know they weren't you know and you think that oh this is so pretty i'm going to use this hand sanitizer and that you're protecting yourself and your family by using it meanwhile it's it's not even effective 
yeah there's no there's no trials i remember when uh covid happened i was like pure stock is probably skyrocketing at this yeah. point <laughs> but no you're right you're absolutely right and i think it's an investment for every brand to yeah. invest in their own product by doing the research and putting those numbers out there because you know from like I know there's a lot of scientists and people who have the background and they'll look for that. But even as, you know, everyday consumers, um, you know, they, they want the information, right? Like, I mean, they want the the real meat and potatoes of, you know, what makes your line stand out. So I agree with you. I think um, pushing for that is very important. It is. And also, you know, ingredients, the fewer, the better. I was yeah. working with a scientist and, and she believes that um, her name's Dr. Elsa Youngman. She believes, and her studies have shown, she's a PhD in microbiome protection um, of skin, and that a lot of the skin issues that people have are caused by themselves because, you know, you have this not, you know, nine step skincare routine that you do, or even better, you have three products that you do, that you use, and you're so proud of it. But when you look at the ingredients, on those three products combined, there could be 120 ingredients and you don't even right. know what they are. So yep. she has mine and she believes that all you need is a cleanser and a serum and mm. each product has less than five ingredients. And to me, that is just so cool. She's French. So you know, her whole of thing, course. <laughs> you know, less is more and she's just so chic and fabulous. Um, yeah. But like, this is all you need. And I really believe that, you know, I think, especially during this time, I think we're all going through everything that we have and just seeing that we can do with less and it's the same yeah. skincare you can do with less. It's okay. Right. You know, right. and I agree. And I think, um, you know, that's really interesting about the microbiome because I, you know, I think, there's a lot of brands coming out now that are using, you know, there are certain areas of medical science that they're really highlighting in their products, but to do it well is I think the most important thing. So the fact that she's got, you know, like she's approaching it from like a, you know, a research eye is very, very important. Yeah. Because you can, you can slap the name microbiome on something, but like that person has no idea, you know what I mean? What they're dealing with. Exactly. And and so many people I was researching the other day, just looking online googling skin microbiome yeah it's amazing how many how many brands just like you said throw that on their packaging and then people people read about it and they're like oh I should get that (laughs) well it's like you know remember when probiotic skincare came out like it was like what do you mean like I literally had this like confused look on my face at the time because it was Uh, like well it's uh it's probiotic and it's got yogurt in it and I'm sitting there thinking like well that's one lactic acid uh two I don't know what you think you're gonna accomplish you know by just slathering this on but you know so it's like that versus somebody like you know um the the line you just described where it's like okay, I'm going to go with the second. You know what I mean? Like, this is real research. Yeah. And it's so important, like, you know, like she even says, protecting your your skin's microbiome, your largest organ, right? From the outside, it's so important. And from the inside out. And, Mm. you know, she, um, she has this philosophy that when you're born and you're putting products on your baby, you know, the mom's putting products on the baby or the dad and... It's, you know, like, I don't want to name any brands because I don't want to ask anybody, but there's popular baby brands that are just causing a lot of problems. And 
then these kids grow up with, you know, eczema. I mean, I've seen kids like three, four years old with eczema, like, oh gosh. And it's probably because like the mom was told, you know, use this product and, and the kids have have a reaction to it. And then forever for their whole life, it's damaged. Like if you're, if you're having a baby, like you, you really have to pay more attention to what you're putting on the skin of the baby. Exactly. And also knowing like the base point of skin health. I feel like no one really knows what that is right now. And so I, when I see brands coming out that are backed by doctors and they're backed by you know medical professionals, it kind of gives me this sigh of relief because I'm like, oh, okay. So they understand because, you know, in the medical profession, like you can't pretend like there was no past in the patient's life, right? Like there's always a history and, you know, you have to consider that for everything. So when you approach it from that perspective, I think, um, you know, you're going to consider all of the little nitty gritty things like sensitivity and, you know, sensitization and all of these factors that we don't like talking about, you know, in the normal consumer world. So, yeah. 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 So I want to actually ask you this because I think um, this is very interesting for me um, in terms of translating from a communications perspective, um, translating over medical research, you know, um, wording and stuff into like a, you know, I guess, layman terms for everybody to kind of get behind? I mean, do you deal with that on a regular basis? I mean, how, how do you approach that? Yeah, so that's a really great question. Um, normally, what happens in a brand that really cares, <laughs> yeah. um, they will employ a dermatologist uh, or a skin health expert to kind of lay it out for laymen so you know they'll do the clinical trials and then they'll kind of lay it out you know like skincare for dummies kind of thing yeah Um, and because you know when you're thinking about packaging right you can't if you have a box a four-sided box and you want to put so much messaging you really have to be so specific in your messaging because if you want to sell in europe um, you have to have it in English and in French, which is why you see a lot of French on packaging. It's not because the brand wants to be like, you know, chic or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Europe because they, they want to be able to sell in Europe. So you have to be able to have the room to communicate within seconds to your consumer. Um, what, what makes your product different? Um, you know, why it's effective? What are the key benefits um, and what are the ingredients? And so that's really tricky to be able to communicate that right. in a way that will understand, think that it's, you know, different enough for them to want to try and then, um, you know, and, and be able to create, be able to really, with skincare, you really want to create some brand loyalty because you want them to keep coming back. And Exactly. You know, exactly. It's more about becoming their product of choice rather than just yeah. another product. Yeah. No, I, I, and I agree. And I think, you know, I think one of my biggest questions is like, you know, I know with scientific data, there's always a lot of tables and numbers and stuff like that. And I, and I sometimes wonder why brands don't um, publish that like you would in a, in an article, in a peer reviewed journal article, right? Because I think there's enough people out there that would want to see it like that. Do you, I mean, from your perspective, do you think that would be a good move if a brand did that? Or do you think it's going to like drive people away? No, I think it's a, brilliant move actually and a lot of brands bring that now on their websites um they'll have like a a a tab for um for um research for clinical 
then sometimes they'll have it like, which I love this part. It's like uh, maybe a, a short paragraph, but if you want to read more and really get the data, they have that too. So you can, you know, click and get more and more in depth as, you know, depending on, you know, how much you want to know. Right. Um, but, you know, when you think about skincare too, it's like most of, most of the products that I use are recommended to me by friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I could read about something, but now, you know, being, being a publicist, you're, you're, I'm always so um, hesitant because there's so much pay for play going on. So you don't know, like, you know, did this brand pay for this? It's, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, um, and so I usually, if I see a friend who just, you know, whose skin looks amazing, I'll always ask what they use. And people do the same with me all the time. I mean, I am 53. I think my skin, I maybe like with my skin, I could pass. We're not talking about the rest of (laughs) the rest of the body, but like, (laughs) we're not going to go there, but um, like just for this, I really have skin. um, And um, I think I could pass for like, I don't know, 45 early. Oh yeah. I still, you know, I, I go with the carding thing, right? It's like, if I still get carded, I'm like, that's my lucky day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, honestly, I think, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned the research um, on brand websites. I love that. I actually haven't seen it. I'm going to go check out um, more, you know, information on that because I, I was thinking about this about a year ago and that's when I really started looking at like medical articles and you know what I mean about like just skin health. Um, and it just always struck me as odd that it's like such good information. Why wouldn't you yeah. just put it out there? You know? So yeah. Uh, yeah. If a brand has it, they should totally put it out and, you know, just to be transparent. There's a, there's one brand, if you want to, if you want to start just kind of researching just to see how it's done or yeah. how it could be done. There's a skincare brand called Codex Beauty, C-O-D-E-X Beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with them for, for a while and they really have done a great job of putting all of their research out there on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at some, at some level you might think, oh, it's a little bit too much, but it really, you know, if you're a skincare junkie like me, you, you want to read it all and you want to yes. see, you know, yeah. where where is the ingredients coming from? You know, yeah. are they buying it somewhere or are they growing it in their own field or, you know, it's, yeah. it's really interesting to really dig deep. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not always the best option to have a brand that makes everything on their own. I don't like, yeah. you know how some people are like, well, we make every ingredient or we have every ingredient from our own sources. It's like, sometimes you have to go out and like explore a little bit. <laughs> you yeah. Know, you might not have yeah. the best hmm. Yeah. So, OK, I, I actually have one more question for you. And this is something that I, I hope helps some people listening out there, because I know there's a lot of influencers that right now they're really behind this movement of spreading information. And you know what I mean? Getting the truth out there about skin care and skin health. Yeah. Um, yeah. How would what do you have any advice for them in terms of integrating that with, you know, the like just the PR of a brand or just the entire, you know, like if they're, for example, really into like vegan beauty, you know, like how should they, how should they approach um, their little piece um, when they're trying to like, you know, promote a brand or maybe fit into the whole beauty industry? I think that it's important to kind of set it up. Like I'm trying to think of the best way for me to describe it. Um, You know, there's some brands that 
have big budget and have the ability to have amazing marketing and advertising and have the, have the budget to pay for play. Um, and they're very well-known names, you know, I mean, even some, some companies that I worked for, Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of them, you know, aren't as transparent as they should be. Yeah. And a lot of them have ingredients that, mostly the ingredients that are that are really harmful are the preservatives that are necessary to to keep the products um having a longer shelf life right um but they could be toxic and harmful and cancer causing and things like that so i think that you know even more important it's just there's just so much education that needs to be done when it comes to skincare and you know, vegan, of course, is great. Um, you know, you, of course, don't want animal testing. You, you know, you want organic to some degree. Um, yeah. yeah, to some degree. <laughs> yeah, to some degree. You want, um, you know, you just want to make sure that, that you know what the ingredients are that you're, that you're putting, that you're putting on you. And I think that there needs to be more education on, the negatives, like what are, what should you look out for so that you don't have it in your product, you know? Right. Right. So maybe influencers can like, you know, really kind of hone in on, you know, if you notice something like that's very like stand out, you know, maybe write about that because I know a lot of people just like take pictures. That's why I'm asking you, like they'll take pictures of like products and just post them up. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't tell me anything. (laughs) I don't know anything. I love it. I'm obsessed with this girl, Jessica Defino. I don't know if you follow her, but she, she's been in the beauty industry for a long time. I've known her for quite a while and she's really kind of stepped out and she's very brave in the things that she puts on her um, website and her blog. And now she's got a newsletter and her Instagram is amazing. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't, put pictures of products I mean maybe very rarely but she'll have a copy block and it'll have some sort some a thought that you take with you and you think about like wow you know I never thought about it like this like this is really something serious that I need to you know to to think about when I'm purchasing a product or when I'm recommending a product um or like for me taking on a brand I mean I've turned down so many brands to work with just because I don't believe in them. And, you know, I know that they're not, they don't have the best research and they don't have the best, you know, clinicals. And so um, I think that, you know, you can't, you know, and I have a daughter who's 20 and her, a lot of her friends, all they care about is cute packaging, you know, cute. I'm like, well, did you see what's in it? And then if you break (laughs) friends are sitting there with their tongues hanging out and they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And I, that's why the packaging is like, it, it's the new, you know, the new fad, I guess, nowadays, because it's like, everyone's like, well, what, what does the packaging look like? I've had so many people recommend yeah. things to me based on packaging. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a brand I'm working with now who I love. It's just such an amazing team of women. It's a beautiful, beautiful design. It's called biography. Mm-hmm. And the um, Instagram is called dear biography. Oh. It's, a gorgeous line of four face oils. They're active face oils with very few um, ingredients. I'm going to say maybe like 
eight, 10 and under, I mean, which is great for a skincare product. Yeah. And I was never an oil person Yeah. because I always thought, oh, my hair gets stuck in it and then it gets greasy. It's like lip, like certain lip glosses I just can't wear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this brand is just really, really amazing inside and out. You know, the packaging is gorgeous. The bottles. Um, oh, I'm looking at it right now. You're right. Oh, wow. Isn't it beautiful? I mean, it's the, gorgeous. Yeah. Normally when you have an oil, most oils that you see will be in a brown glass or like dark purple. Yeah. Just UVs from getting through it. But like but biography, they have a UV, UV um, protectant on the bottle so that you could see the color of the oils. Oh, and wow. they're just so gorgeous and the whole vibe of the brand is so cool you just I mean now that you've seen it you'll just become obsessed and you yeah I'm looking at it it says like one of them the product's called few words I love that off the bat yeah. like that's so cool that's, yeah that's for men and then the other one is which I love the anti-aging collagen yeah. you know well there's a the there's the um the golden ray for collagen boosting but there's one it's called petty grudges yeah just the coolest thing and it says you know it's a forgiving blend of rose actives that increases skin's elasticity and suppleness while softening fine lines not that i want to be like <laughs> like yeah. a but it's just it's just so cool um the way that the way that they're described and you know like letting go of your petty grudges when you look yeah. at yeah lines or you see these things that you think are imperfections just let go you know yeah, yeah. and relax into I love that you know and also it's not about being a spokesperson it's about like discovering like you just made me help me discover a new line like that's an yep. experience yeah. So, yeah yeah that's amazing and if you're not an oil person um they have long june which is they call it noise canceling for your skin and it's a dry oil mm. so you put it on it absorbs right away so it doesn't feel oily Oh, I love those kind of products. Like yeah. they're oil-based, but they, they don't feel like it at all. Yeah. yeah. Very, wow. Very well, that's so cool, Diane. I'm so thankful for your time. This has been awesome. I'm definitely oh, going to be checking yeah. out Biography more, <laughs> by the yeah. way. Sure. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, everyone listening out there, please leave us some feedback. If you have any questions for Diane, leave them in the um, comments section of the cover art, and I will definitely pass them along to her and her team. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you, Diane, for your time. Thank you so much. Have a great, have a great day. You too. Bye.